Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the White Tail Lakes Podcast. We're all set up here down this creek bottom. Bean Buck's been in here a bunch of times, so good chance to see him on him. Meh. Smoked him. I think he just crashed, brother. <laughs> Absolute money, dude. It's 76 degrees out. We just set up 80 yards from a buck and killed him at 18 yards. Here we are. We're set up on a, this scrape that's been absolute fire for the last eight days. We know a shooter went in here to bed this morning. Matt. Smoked his ass tonight. Get it? That was at eight, dude. That's at eight. Fucked out October 28th. Homies up for the rest of November. But absolute incredible season. Both kills on hanging hunts, right on the beds. And just making it making it happen. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and this week we're talking with Andrew Jordan. We're talking all about EHD, his plan for this year when he realized that he had EHD on his farms, what he did to, to kind of counteract the season and have a successful season, and then what his plans are for the future. We go over a lot of things that he had dealt with EHD in the past and kind of sped up the process, a lot of things about talking to the neighbor um, you know, passing those younger deer, a lot of stuff that will help the EHD go a lot quicker, get through the system, and hopefully not happen again. But I know a lot of people are struggling with this. Uh, multiple counties in Illinois got it. Luckily, we we didn't get it in my county, um, but Ohio is very, very, um, sound like it got tore up over there. So hopefully you can maybe pick up a topic in this or a tip and uh, maybe make the process of that EHD on your deer herd be a little uh, easier on you. 
Um, got some very exciting news I finally can share with you guys. Um, our friends at Exodus, I just got word that they're introducing the all-new Exodus Rival. Um, the Rival is a budget-friendly cellular trail camera that is reliable, hardworking, easy to use, but still feature-rich. Over the last year, the Exodus team were working hard behind the scenes, building their next generation of cameras. Taking consumer feedback and delivering, in their opinion, the best budget cell camera on the market. The Rival is a budget-friendly cell camera coming in at a price of $179, and the camera flat-out works. And of course, it's backed by that Exodus 5-year no BS warranty. Unbelievable. Get that 5-year warranty on a cell cam out there for $179. But it gets better. Keep listening. Um... The Exodus Rival is built with the same durability you're used to when you use any Exodus cam. But it has that lightning fast cellular capabilities, easy to use setup, and great photos. While developing the Exodus Rival, their goal was to design a simple yet very effective cellular trail camera that flat out works. So let's get into the specs real quick. It's got a 0.3 uh, second trigger speed, 70 foot detection distance with adjustable sensitivity, 30-second photo transmission, adjustable image quality on upload, crisp HD image, compatible with the Exodus SP18 solar panels, and once again, it's backed by that five-year no BS warranty. The Exodus Rival is officially opening for pre-sale on January 16th, Monday evening at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, and orders will begin shipping February 6th. Now, hey, this is the good part. This is where you really want to listen. If you use the code LAUNCH, all capital L-A-U-N-C-H, you'll save $30 off each camera while supplies last or February 14th at midnight. So if they run out of the cameras at that $30, they're going to shut it down. If not, it's going to run to February 14th at midnight. So help support this podcast and Exodus by using the code LAUNCH at the website exodusoutdoorgear.com. And there's a lot to know about this particular product, and it's new. It's a new product for them. So Exodus team will be going live on all their social platforms to officially announce the rival January 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So mark your calendars and, and join us to learn all the details. If you have questions, we'll answer them and earn a chance to win one of the very first Exodus Rival cameras. Um, So if you guys are interested in this and you can catch that live, you'll get all the details. If not, everything will be up on the website January 16th. But the main takeaway from this is use that code LAUNCH. Um, That's $30. You're down to $150 for a five-year warranty cam. And, you know, it's an Exodus camera, so you got that theft coverage. You got that anything goes wrong for five years, you're covered at 150 bucks, guys. Unbelievable deal. And you also, one thing I love about the Exodus that I've said multiple times is you don't have to have five startup fees and five um, different plans for that for five different cameras. They're, they're all on one plan. So if you run five Exodus cameras, they're all under one plan, and you pay for the data that you use. Uh, it's a great thing that they have. It's way more um, cost-effective than having all those fees for every one of your cams when 
Um, they have one net cost all the way across the board. Um, so make sure and check out that. I'm really excited to be able to let you guys know about that. It's going to be coming up real quick when you guys listen to this episode. So mark it on the calendars and check it out. All right, let's get into the show. All right, I got my good buddy Andrew on tonight. How you doing tonight, brother? Oh, doing good, man. How are you? Doing great, doing great. I appreciate you coming on and chit-chatting with me. We've been uh, talking on the, the web for a while and talking in person in a couple times and uh, yeah, man. keeping up with each other's deer season. So uh, nice to have you on the phone here for a half hour or so and chat about what you go, had going on this year. Yeah, man, no problem. I'm just sitting here in my living room just hanging out nice. on this nice cold, cold brisk night. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's brutal out there, man. Um, well, you, like a lot of other people in Illinois and Ohio, um, you kind of had a spell of EHD um, go through your area and kind of terrorize you this season. Um, and you've been kind of dealing with some low deer numbers um, all around. Um, so I just kind of wanted you to kind of put your two cents on kind of how you went into this year and then figuring out you had EHD and how you, uh, what your approach is going now. So, um, go ahead and start off with, you know, your plan on before you had the EHD, your plan, um, going into season. Okay. Well, last season I hunted over 30, 30 some days straight, meaning like I hunted before work, after work weekends. And, you know, I was on some pretty good deer, and uh i was unsuccessful i passed a lot of good young deer up thinking that this year you know maybe like okay if i pass them up those three-year-olds and maybe those junker four-year-olds that they're going to be older this year that was my plan because last year everybody was saying the deer numbers are finally where they need to be they're getting back to where they used to be from 2012 13 you know well it was 2011 12 and 13 mainly from 2013 is when we really got really hard so they're finally making a comeback from that. So last year I was unsu- unsuccessful. But going into this year, I, I had very high hopes. Um, you know, all summer long, deer planning, strategizing from the year before, thinking, okay, I need to be here, here, here. And I, I put my cameras out around June, in mid-June to first part of July, and it was very slow at first. And then all of a sudden it picked up. I had some nice, nice deer show up on camera, but it was on my main home farm that I noticed that, you know, from years past, you would, you would see the number, you'd see a lot of does. Then you, you would see at least, I would have at least four shooters on, on camera. You mean in velvet running around and, you know, driving around the area, you'd see them, but we also had a lot of corn in. So I wasn't really, you know, um, hesitant at first I'm like oh the corn's all in we'll be good and everybody, all my buddies and everybody i talked to around and saying, yeah it's kind of slow and then about august comes around and i'm got we got some uh word that there's been some dead deer found and uh i was scratching my head like man i hope not because i had some pretty good shooters upcoming shooters coming up that i was looking forward to getting eyeballs on pictures of you know trying to go forward to hunt one hunt, hunting with them and uh so mid-august comes around comes first part of september the word comes out you know my home around my, one of my home areas there is start to be cases of 10 
then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50, then, you know, so on and so forth. You just keep on hearing these deer numbers rack up and you're like, oh my Lord. And then you actually go put boots on the ground and then you go, you go scout and you look for sign and it's not there. What do you do? You know? So I had to regroup and think, man, this isn't good. And so I had to back off my home farms that I've been hunting pretty regularly for the last three, four years. And, uh, I had to, you know, think, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Um, so I, I live in the tri-county area where we do anyway. So I have, luckily I have, I have two other farms and two separate counties that luckily didn't get hit as bad with EHD. So that's where I focus this season on was those two counties. And I, I ended up harvesting and I always harvested a big doe with my bow in early October, had a, uh, um, I stuck a buck high with again in middle October on the same farm. And then I was able to harvest a nice respectable deer down in Hancock County during gun season. But I'm, I'm still obviously chasing deer around here, but it's, it's pretty slim pickings as in the deer numbers are really low. Yeah. So, so you had the impact of the, you know, getting the word that you're, you know, these, these EHD deer were coming up and, you're kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do and, and spreading your legs. I'm assuming you put, you know, most of your effort into these home farm home farms where you're trying to, uh, to kill these bucks that you were passing last year and already had Intel on. So now yeah. you're trying to go to new pieces and new ground and, and, uh, pick up the pieces and, and make stuff happen. Um, you do shoot, you do hunt with a trad bow pretty much exclusively, yep. right? During bow season. Yeah, pretty exclusively. I I got the bug. I've shot, you know, I grew up shooting a bow with no sights. And then as I got a little bit young, older, around grade school, I, I got my first compound with sights. And then, you know, hunted with it, hunted with one until I was uh, been up to four or five years ago now. Me and my few buddies got the, you know, we, we picked uh recurves up started shooting them and then we got hooked and then you're here here i am <laughs> nice you know? yeah so you don't not only dealing with the hd you're also dealing with trying to get deer in really really tight range to be able to get the well, shots yeah i mean e- even with my compound man i all my stuff's in close i like to hunt them so i like to be in tight i like to be within like 25 yards and then I yeah. shot my doe this year at 20, at 20 yards, 20, 25 ish yards, like right between 20, 25 yards. And it was, a, to me, it's just a, you know, I, I make that shot all the time. So I like to hunt them in tight, no matter what, what weapons in my hand, even, even, even with a gun. Nice. It's just the fact that, you know, it's, it's really hard to hunt a deer that's not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have a, so my home area, I have four, four pieces that I could technically hunt two of them. I hunt pretty exclusively. And on those pieces, they're known for early October for, you know, bucks to, to come in and then late season as I'm waiting on right now. And it's been pretty rough. I mean, I've, I haven't even touched my food plot that me and my father have had for, between me and him, it's been for me, more or less for him. It's been over 20 years, and we've had 
some good luck in there. And this year I've only hunted, we, we have almost an acre of standing beans and I have had one single mature deer in it all year. Besides the, the other night, my cell cam popped off and I finally had one in it. But I, I couldn't tell exactly what, what it was. It was just far enough away for that camera. I could just pick up antlers. That was about it. Yeah, that seems like it's weird how a lot of people say, oh, if you plant the beans, they're come. But you, you have to be in an area where the bucks are to be able to locate that yeah. and understand that the food's there. Because I've had the same thing where I plant it's a little over half an acre and a lot of people are like, Oh, you can't plant that much. Cause the deer will just wipe them out. Well, when there, you don't oh. have high deer numbers, they won't get wiped out, you know, especially if you have no. corresponding ag around, I always had food no. late season and during shed season, I'd have bean pods still on, you know, like there's oh, still yeah. food out there. So, um, last year was probably the first year that I actually seen a bump of deer late season cause that food was there. But I also planted, uh, another late season plot that they were hitting much harder and i'm kind of waiting on that same thing waiting on that late season um opportunity but i think you were smart yep. with the way you dealt with the hd i know a lot of people are struggling with that um in a lot of different states and they're kind of hunting the same areas a lot and maybe just maybe they're bouncing around well, i don't think they're traveling way far i mean you went all the way out and mule deer hunted just because the deer density was low. So you're thinking, Hey man, let me take this opportunity and yeah. and go make, try to make this happen. Yeah. That was in, that was in like mid September that I went out and did that in Nebraska and Northwestern Nebraska. We went out, me and, me and a good friend of mine, we went out and ground and pounded for a week out there. He, he was able to harvest a big white tail doe, but even, even out there, it was pretty tough. Cause, uh, I think a year or two ago out where the location we were at, they had EHD real bad and they had wildfires. So we, we didn't know this until we got out there because, you know, seeing on seeing stuff on social media to word of mouth to actually seeing what's going on is three different whole different ball games. So we had to figure it out when we got out there and then we're like, Oh man, you know, we spent four days out there and it was pretty, pretty brutal. So then we traveled, all the way across the state. I mean, in one day, we went from one side of the state to the other side of the state in one day and finished the last three days in eastern Nebraska chasing whitetails, doing what we know how to do. And we were, we ended up being successful and bringing home some meat in a, in a, in a cooler. So they just, you gotta, when ESD hits, it's really hard. And some guys, you know, they're limited on, on like what, they can hunt like i'm limited to a certain extent i mean i got some i got farms but i'm you know i have some around where i live and then i have my other two main farms or within dry within 20 minutes but some guys you know they're all limited to one, one parcel and then they got to figure out where else to go or, or they're just stuck there and it's really a long season when you have nowhere else to go yeah you I got know, a and good you're buddy. waiting i got a good buddy garrett um he you know garrett you've been on his podcast as well they struggle with the yep. hd that one year i mean it altered their farm for years and years and years and uh they finally you know finally coming off of that so on your uh home farm did did your deer get wiped out or did it just lower the number of, of shooters? Um, what, what's as it in like? this year? Yeah. This year or past or, pa or the past when it first happened this year. 
Oh, this year? Well, basically last year I had, I was after one deer and he's back, but he's on the decline. He's still alive. There's one I was after, there's a total of six of them. And there was three younger deer that was ranged from two and a half to three and a half years old that they had real good potential, like some killer five by like some killer five by five. And there was even a six by six. He was going to be killer. I, I, I let him walk at, at 10 yards as a three and a half year old with, with a recurve last year. It took, it took everything in me not to shoot him, but I, I knew that he was going to be something if you, if you give him a few years. So that was, let's say, so let's say I got like eight bucks. I was in, in, in my general area within like a three mile radius, let's say, or a 10, three to five mile radius, let's say, you know, those are on my radar. And this year I have two, if that, yeah. I know one's still alive because, because I, he was, I, I picked his left side up last season as the first, the first shed of the year. Yeah, but he but he didn't show up until like mid October, and I I know where he's living, but I can't hunt I can't I can't hunt him in there. Yeah, it's, I can't go in there, kind of thing. And then the other one, I have a few pictures of him, and then he's he's a ghost, so I don't know if he's dead. I don't know if, if the neighbors killed him. I don't I don't think so because, um, you know, during gun season around here, usually you you would know if something was harvested, you would know. I yeah, mean, I love those. Obvious. I love when the lockers post all the big deer that come in. I'm like, yeah, keep posting it so I can see if one of my shooters got killed. <laughs> yeah, I'm always yeah. like, oh, that's not my, that's not one of my deer. That's not one of my. Oh no, no, no. I mean, you're gonna have some. I mean, some a lot of the deer. I mean, there's still big deer around here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're far and few between now, but yeah. they're here. You just, you just gotta be really patient. You gotta be there at the right time. You know, hunt the right circumstances, and you gotta put. You have to actually put, you know, feet on the ground and go in and scout. And figure out, like, you know, are they here? You know, go jump them out of their bed, figure out where they're at, and, they, and then make a game plan and go in there after them if, if you can. You know, but around here, I mean, it's a lot of private ground, so you mm-hmm. kind of limited. Limited to what, what it is. I was, I was listening to a podcast about, you know, and they were talking about, you know, public's the new thing about how it's hard to kill them on public, but. Sometimes it's damn hard to kill them on private when you know you know that they're living oh, somewhere dude. else, but you know they're alive, but you just can't hunt them because they're on someone else's oh. property, and you're hunting a oh, ghost. Dude, was... And you're like, man, <laughs> if I could just get in this timber over here, I'd have a really good shot at them. You know, I might not kill the well, deer, here. but at least get damn closer. So, I I'm pretty sure I told you this story. I might have. I'm not too sure if I have or not. But like last this so last season, he was a big, he was a great big nine pointer. Like he had a, he was. 300 pounds on the hoof pretty freaking easy and i had this deer pattern to the, the minute of where he was in a cross and, and do a cross go come off the field go along the creek and then go and cross it in like a transition is like a drainage and he had nowhere to go but come right below my tree at five at 10 yards he had i mean there, there were sheer drop-offs on both sides and he, and there's and there was like a funnel lane like right in front of me you know, it was just a national travel corridor. So on my still camera, it would always pop off at this time of night, this time of night. So the fourth day in a row, I dove in there, right? I seen the buck, and uh, he was a little farting around the field, and I, and I, I rattled and snort wheezed. 
and he turned his head and his whole demeanor changed and you know, he bristled up and he, he was on a mission. He was coming right to me. And then he was about, about a hundred yards out ish. And then his whole demeanor changed again. He snapped his head to the left and he, and he disappeared. Like he like tromped off cr- across the field and disappeared. And I never seen him again. And then all of a sudden he went ghost, like what's going on. So the next week and a half, I was hunting this deer, and then I went and talked to the neighbor one day. He's like, hey, did you see that deer at the out-of-stater shop? I'm like, what do you mean? And then he showed me a picture of it because he, he helped them load it that night. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? The guy, the people that own the property next to where I have permission lease the ground, and some guy from, like, I think Mississippi came up and shot him, which good for him. But I'm like, oh, I wish I knew that. I was hunting. I was wasting my time hunting a deer that didn't exist. Yeah, that's the worst, man. You know? When they're gone and they're, uh-huh. and they're like, oh, he might be alive, but I'm not <laughs> sure. I got a couple that should have showed back up already after gun season, and they have it. And I'm like, oh, boy. Where you at, boys? Yeah. I got some more oh, cameras I can pull to see if they on any of them. But So yeah. uh, as much as I know about EHD, I mean, I just there's really nothing that a hunter can do. It's so, you know terrible there there's no treatment you don't know if the deer has it until pretty much i think like 36 hours before it's dead like it don't show signs until you know hours 36 hours or so before it's dead um so you're hunting these day these deer you got pictures of them three days ago you're like oh yeah he's still in here still alive and then he dies and you have you have no idea so it's it's really like the the ultimate trump card of you have zero control over anything yeah um, you really you really know a bad roll of the dice for a lot of people and i i want i wanted to have this episode just because i think a lot of people are struggling with this and it, it people are going to be doing a lot of the different things but the main thing to do is yeah. try to farm that try to find a farm that didn't get hit with dhd it's easier said than done yeah. for sure um, but that's what you did and you you knew that the hunting was going to be less there and you'd already put all the work in this other farm, but um, when you're, you know, it's a numbers game out there when you're trying to kill bucks, and, and it's hard to kill what's not yeah. there um, for sure. So what do you think um, yeah. your plans for next year are? Do you think that you're running your cams on that farm hoping something survived, or was there any young yeah. bucks that made it that you might potentially be hunting next year? Or? Well, I, got actually, I actually put eyes on I actually hunted my food plot the other night for the first time for a while and the second time in the whole year. And right before dark, I heard I looked behind me, and I call him the high eight. High eight was right behind me. He's just a two and a half, three and a half year old eight pointer, but he's really tall. Just out of his ears, but he's really tall. But he's, his his beams are like I don't know. He's just not that big. He's, he 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 looks good when he looks at you, but when he turns his head, he's really tight. He's tall. Yeah. But he's but his body, he's young. He's like three and two and a half year old, three and a half at, at tops. But he's on my radar. Um, going to next year, though, I'm actually probably going to lose a farm. The farm I shot my doe on that stuck that buck on this year. Because, um, unfortunately, they're selling it, I'm pretty sure. So, I have to find me a new farm. Oh, another one somewhere. I will find one. But it's going to be a struggle. Because everybody, you know how that, how that game goes. But... That being said, I have one in mind that I'm going to spend a lot more time on. Um, I actually just acquired it this year. 
So I'm going to spend a lot more time on that farm next year, setting stuff up. Uh, this year was a learning curve. I've seen a lot of shooter deer in there. I've seen probably three or four of them there when I was bow hunting all year, chasing them around, and I was trying to figure them, figure them all out. And I think I have it somewhat figured out. But going back to my where my home farm is, I'm just you can only put so many cameras on this farm because it's mainly agricultural ground. But there's only it's very limited amount of timber, but the terrain you have to pick pick and choose where you want them. But they're gonna move. They move. But they've been moving the same pattern on that place for years. So you just want. I'm basically gonna take inventory, see what's in there, and keep you know that in the back of my head. Now saying if one actually shows up and is basically like patternable in early October. I'll dive in to my food plot, but mainly I'm going to save it for late season because late season out there is usually where it shines because that that food or whatever I have in there that year will usually draw deer in. It has for years, but with with, the, with this number of low deer deer density, it might be pretty tough. Yeah, it's. I might be spinning my wheel. I might tough, be spinning man. my wheels, but when you get that low in, in deer density and I know, I know the big woods is like that where it's just really low deer density and um, deer are hard to find. And well, I've been lucky to where, you know, I've always had higher deer density and seen a lot of deer, maybe not seen shooter bucks, um, but there's always a few shooter bucks somewhere at a chase. Um, so we lucked out in my County. Um, I don't think we had any EHD this year. Um, Yep. But I know this time of year you pretty well got her beat if you made it. The buck made it this far. He's he might die next summer though. You never know. I know EHD kind of yeah. comes in waves there for a couple of years, hits real bad, then yep. hits again, hits again. So hopefully next year it doesn't hit you again. But uh, I know I'm just a little bit further north. But if you could find something in this county, I think you'd be pretty safe um, to where it yeah. wouldn't had an impact on you last year. Um, but it's crazy well, how it could be county to county like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yours to county above me, yeah. and pretty much, pretty much. And the crazy thing is, is here's like like a hypothesis that all the some of the local guys that brought to my attention, and we've had some discussions uptown at the bar over a few drinks over, you know, where where I'm at, where I'm like right in the tri county, so like three counties or bang bang bang, I'm right in the middle of them all. So like I can be in one county in two miles, in one county in a mile, and in one county in four miles. But every, we're on the high ground. So where does water start? High ground. When you have a drought, where's the water going to end? Low ground, right? Yeah. So so this year, I mean, we had some rain, but nothing like it wasn't like a severe severe drought, but it, we didn't have as near as what we should have. And I remember when I was running cameras and scouting and trimming trees and going and chicken stands, most, most of these creeks around home, they were dry. I mean, mm -hmm. really dry. And so that was towards the end. I would dive in, I would dive into my farm about once a month. And I noticed that towards the end of, end of July and mid, and mid August is pretty dry. And it all makes sense because, you know, HD comes from that bug and the water stagnant water good chance you're not going to get it because it gets because them deer are, are going to go to water you know it's, if it's right there stagnant they're going to drink it yeah that's a good theory so, man that the high ground might have got affected worse than the low ground that's something yeah. that i wouldn't even have thought about 
that other people that have you know? EHD might want to think about too, especially those guys out in Ohio that are hunting hill country. Maybe if they went down into the river bottoms, maybe yeah. they didn't get as hit as bad, you know? Yeah. So like, so I have, I know a lot of people around here. So then I'm like, like uh, I have a neighbor. He's, he has a place down in, let's say down by Macomb area. I know a lot, a lot of people down in that area and they said they they have none. Or if you go up north to you guys, you have none. Or if you go, let's say, west of here towards, like, uh, uh, Mammoth area, you know, they're not really not seeing much. But in my general area around me, let's say from Wiremat towards, let's say, Peoria, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we got there, – there's yeah, a lot of dead deer. I know Peoria County had a bunch of dead deer. Um, yeah, in that area, they I mean, seem to I mean, get hit every single time. Yeah, so. I mean we gotta. I mean I don't know. It's weird. Peoria County, so Peoria, Knox, and Fulton County around me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the Tri County area, so it's uh, Knox and Fulton wasn't really hit as hard as Peoria. Yeah, it seems like Peoria is the one that always kind of gets the smack when when it comes through. Because I think it was probably, yeah. like you said, back, I remember when I was hunting back there and it was pretty, pretty, you know, big in that 2013 time frame. It seemed like people were really mm-hmm. talking about it pretty big, worried about the 2014 season. Um, yeah. A lot of dead deer, but it's just such a tragedy that it kind of takes out the, the older age class bucks as well um, yep. when it does come through and it really puts a damper on. Um, and you know, recording this episode, it's it's important to talk through kind of what you're going to do after you experience a year like that. Because if everybody keeps going out there and wanting to kill younger class deer, it's just going to take longer for that county to bounce back. Um, so, yep, yep. Sometimes, because I told you, put a bunch of work into ahead. one farm and you want to kill off that farm, you know, and you're going to kill a younger age class deer. Uh, maybe it's best to move on to a different property and still keep that same goal um, and let that other property kind of soak and work through the processes and kind of not only help out you, but help out all your neighbors and, and the county in general. Yep. So people around me, they're, they're pretty aware of the situation, what's going on. So this year during gun season, I think, I think the, like, I didn't really hear of any, of any really like young deer being killed or, you know, whatever. I, I don't. I don't really care who who kills what, but that's the consistency I've seen. People just around here, they know about it, and they see it like a mature doe. They'll shoot one, and then they're just, and then they're shooting big bucks if if they're coming. But they're passing all these these younger deer for the most part around here. That or I know some guys that have they even touched their farms around here because they know how bad it is. It's a ghost town. So they're not even going on them because they're saving them. They're, they're, they're just staying out of there and they're focusing on other pieces or they're, or they're chasing waterfowl. I mean, that's just the general consistency of what's going on around here. Yeah. That's good for, good for the County though. And good for all the neighbors. Um, the people that really love deer hunting, they're going to get out there and try to run down something, you know, but uh, like I said, I've been really blessed to not have to deal with it, but just talking to you kind of gave me some ideas. If, if you you are dealing with this, um, you know, monitor the cams, but try to be selective of what you kill off that farm and, and try to get something else. And yeah. Man, you might get something else, and it might be better than the farm you had before. 
you know, so it might be a blessing yeah. in disguise. You never know, but it yeah. really sucks when, you know, I've had it happen to me multiple times where I have a lease and I put all my work in it and, and lose it, you know, and you know, oh, some of my yeah. lose leases stories from, from, you know, other people to, you know, talking about it and it's just bad situations and people spreading rumors oh, yeah. make you lose leases and shit, but, um, I never lost her. I never lost one a lease. I never really had a lease for, but I lost some permission farms like that. You know, you go in there high hopes, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, we gotta go. We gotta pull our pull our stuff out of here and find something else. Yeah, tough man. Kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, that happened to me this year again. Um, put a bunch of work in on one property, and then gets pulled out from underneath you, and you gotta kind of pick the pieces up and decide what you're gonna do and change your whole entire plans for season and what bucks you're going to target the most and try to make the best yep. that you can do. But I know EHD is a huge topic and a ton of people are, are struggling with it. Um, this, this late season, you're going to be, you're going to be hitting that plot. Um, when do those bucks normally come around on that late season or does it, does it enter, uh, depend on the weather? Uh, depends on the water, but years past, uh, let's say, you know, low density or high density, they always general consistency of the area. They usually kind of, kind of congregate what deer in the area. They kind of congregate because the property next to me is a big giant bedding area, more or less. So they kind of congregate in there and I have food. So it's just a natural travel corridor as it is. And they start funneling in there. Generally, between December, let's say December 6th, 7th-ish, to, you know, February. And what usually happens is I have a three-week window. So it's going to be around this time of year, Christmas, to, you know, January until the very last day of season. That's just my out there. That that's my window. That's what I see too. It I seems like you're waiting for that late season. You're like, man, they're not going to show up. They're not going to show up. And then like the fifth of January, my deer show up on the plots. It's like, yep, they're finally coming off those rut areas, getting back to those summer zones real late in the year. Yep. And they're like, oh, I'm back. And then they get on that food. So I'm holding out. I got a couple good late season food plots, and one of them they just demolished. Um, so I don't have very high hopes for it, but, uh, the other one's looking real good still. Um, and I got a few deer trickling in there every now and then. And, um, I have, I got a lot of good three-year-old deer that made it, um, through all the gun seasons. So got, should have a lots of, lots of targets for next year. But the place that I have permission to plant the plots, it's at the plots. It's just a fly through property. Um, so they don't really stay on there besides summer and fall. So next year I'm going to go all out on the late season plots. I'm going to make them about twice as big and different food and really try to really try to hold some deer late season and see if that can alter my, my season for the better on some of these bigger class deer that I've been chasing on that property. But yeah, it seems like, like I said, a lot of people yeah. are ready to hang it up. Christmas time comes new years. They're like, man, it's over. Oh yeah. And then you still got those 15 days. And sometimes, like I said, we, we went in last year and, uh, my hunting partner, homie, he missed a buck like the 10th of January, you know, I mean, and it was a really solid class deer. We've been chasing all year, had pictures of him all year and couldn't get on him. Couldn't get on him. Left for the rut, came back, did showed up, showed up the day before we were there daylight. We went in there the next day and he was on the very first deer on the plot, 45 minutes for uh, worth of light left 
So it was crazy. But uh, yeah, that sounds like a. I've had a few stories late season. It's one of them situations where I cut my teeth on, and you know, just like now until back then, guys were like, "Why are you hunting? Are you still hunting deer this late?" Man, it's it's so cold outside. You should be chasing geese or doing something else and chasing them dang whitetails. I'm like, dude, it's like some of the best hunting that right now. Right now is like some of the best hunting compared to November. Yeah, yeah, it's. And it's I'm, really I'm, good. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know why? And they're like, why? But my cousin like, bucks are really easy to pattern. Yeah, and there's they, way less they hunters bred. out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's a here's a deal. I mean, everybody knows this in the, in the wintertime. Them deer, they bed all day long. They bed all day long, and they feed all night. Yep. So, yeah, basically hunt the food where they're coming to, and you and you hope and pray they come in daylight. Yep. But it definitely but, gets simplified that means, at that time of year. Yeah, but that means you know, I mean, hunting in brutal cold weather and just grinding and toughing it out. I mean, I've hunted one year. I've hunted all late season. And it was well below zero. I mean. I mean, it's cold right now, but back then, it, for me, it was pretty cold because I didn't have the clothes I do now. Back then, yeah. and it was, and I was hunting, and I was hunting tree stands, man. Yeah, and it was cold. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, I got some late season sets of me, some some aces in the hole, some food plots. I'm gonna go in on public and hunt my late season area. That's really really good, and uh, see if I can yep. have any success. But, well, man, I appreciate you coming on here and chatting with me. And uh, and hopefully next year the EHD be you know won't be as bad as we thought, and some of those shooters will show up. But um, oh, there'll be there'll be a big deer show, man. There, there's always going to be deer. There's always going to be something there. Something's going to pass through. Something's going to be entered through. You just got to be really patient, and you just got to grind, just grind it out. Yep. All right, brother. Well, appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Andrew covering EHD. Um, the ups and downs of it. Um, I This is something that I've never had to deal with. Um, been very blessed, but everybody that's out there dealing with it, I feel for you. I can't imagine losing all those target bucks. Um, the odds just keep going down and down with everyone that you, you lose. Uh, but keep your head up. Looks like there's some things you can do that we covered in this episode and, uh, and uh, try to find that new ground um, if you can. Knock on some new doors and maybe a different county to get by for a few years and um, maybe, maybe you find a, a hidden gym. Um, you know, maybe you, you, they push you to go to a new piece and it'd be the best piece you ever hunted. So um, hopefully um, it'll turn around for everybody that is affected with this. Um, I will be at ATA show. If anybody that's listening to this wants to meet up, got to be hanging out um, with the born again, bow hunting guys, maybe record a couple podcasts, not a hundred percent sure. Um, but definitely going to have a good time with them hanging out and, and enjoying the atmosphere, um, talking to a few companies and uh, checking out the new products. So like always, always do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy and White Tail Legacy is out until we're coming in your ear holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Thank you, guys.